Uh, Lord, we give you thanks for this new year and for the reminder again of your, the strangest thing of all, coming and being born in a stable in a tiny place called Bethlehem to join with us in this earthly journey and in this life that is so uh, infested with brokenness and sin and and thank you that you chose to do that and and so we're coming out of that season into epiphany the season of light now and pray that that you would shine on us that your light would um, in, enlighten our lives and take the load off and give us your load to carry that is light and so we thank you for Connie and Ben and, and Florence and all who've prepared for us today and pray your uh, special blessing upon them. We pray your special blessing upon Clarkie, who's going to speak to us today. And we give you thanks for him, Lord, and for your um, working in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, introduce our speaker today. Top of the new year to you, fellas. Glad to hear you. Glad for you all to be here today. Um, I have the pleasure of introducing Clark Wallace today, and um, a little story about that is, as I got to know Clark um, some eight or nine years ago after he moved here, um, we were on our parish retreat at Canuga, and uh, we had a guest speaker there, and um, he called us to go off and take a wander in the woods and paired us up so we could go have a prayer session with each other and get to know somebody you didn't know, and, and Clark, he was that man. So I've been blessed with that relationship since then. Um, Clark moved here from Virginia, from uh, Washington, D.C., with his family um, 12 years ago, and, um, and works at Been a Focus in special groups, and he's been a, a Sunday school teacher here, and still is. Um, he's uh, active in missions, and he's on the vestry, and we're thankful for that. Um, I've, I've been blessed to be able to go on two mission trips with uh, Clarkie and, and two of his children. But before that, I'll tell you a story about his mother-in-law. They joined the church uh, uh, probably 12 years ago, and... Um, and she wanted to travel to Haiti with us, and she was really excited about it. And as you know, you have team meetings and such, uh, such a things. And so we all got together, and we planned a trip out. And she was supposed to be with us at the airport on the morning of our departure. And lo and behold, we kept looking at our watch. It was time to board the plane, and she wasn't there, and we couldn't find her. And she was so excited to go that she booked a different ticket and went and showed up in Miami, and she was there waiting on us when we got there. <laughs> so uh, Clark's got a lot of energy. Uh, he's been a, he is a blessing to this church, and he's going to share something with us today, and I thank you for that. So pay attention. Thank you, Jerry, and um, Flo has instructed me to put this lapel mic on, so let me take care of that first.
Yeah, I think I'll do that. That would be easiest. Well, thank you so much. It's great to see everybody here today, all the friendly faces out there, um, friends from St. Phillips. This is such a great event, Hank. It's the first time I've been to one of these lunches, and I sort of imagined it as like me sitting around a table um, with a group of men, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic, um, uh, all the people that come to these, and I hear they've been running these lunches since for, uh, 2009, which is really incredible. Um, the promotion in the latest Inspire um, about this lunch um, described me uh, a couple of some titles that I have at work at Benefit Focus, um, but I'm not going to talk about work at all today. I do work at Benefit Focus, I, um, but what I wanted to talk about today was um, really the narrative that, that I was born into. We're all born into a narrative. Um, I personally love books. It's it's been my passion since I was a, a, a young child. Um, I love to read. I love fiction. I love historical fiction. I love biography. Um, I love stories, and I love the sort of subtle messages about life that you can um, pick up when you read a book, and everybody kind of gathers, get, you know, uh, picks up something different. And uh, the so what I'd like to do is just, just give you an introduction about the, uh, my life, um, talk about some of the churches that I've been involved in and what they've meant to me, and then um, the particular kind of stories that I've heard my whole life, and then how that relates to my Christian experience. So I was born in Richmond, Virginia, um, and uh, my parents uh, and my family still live there. Otway Wallace, who's my brother, some of you might know, he lived here for about 30 years and recently moved back. Uh, my mother is, um, she's, uh, uh, went to Wellesley College. She has a PhD in um, psychology, worked for decades in the public school systems in Virginia, um, an avid kind of nature lover. She was a zoology major. So all my life heard about animals, plants. What is that plant? What is that plant? So that's the mother figure. My father, um, and she is a, um, you know, a blue dog Democrat. And uh, my, my father went to the University of Virginia, and he claims that he was the second from the bottom in his graduating class from high school. And um, he is an exuberant, joyful, impulsive, fun man. And he is a Republican. Um, so my whole life, decades of political debate, um, that is ongoing to this day. Um, I uh, went to St. Christopher's School. Tommy Dew is here, so we share that uh, history. Uh, was there for 13 years. It's an Episcopal school. Went to chapel three times a week. Um, went to University of Virginia. And my degree at University of Virginia was in international relations, and um, I really became interested in other cultures um, at UVA. And uh, my cousin, um, who's an Episcopal minister, took me down to Haiti. Um, he's been going there for many years. And uh, I went with a mission group. Um, but then I was about, I was 21 or 22. And then, um, you know, he said, Clarky. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciate the way Jerry kind of went from Clark to Clarky, Clark to Clarky, because I go by both names, and I love both names. So um, that was kind of fun to hear. Um, but so my, my cousin said, Clarky, you know, you should stay after we leave. And I stayed, and I... Um, went up into the villages, and I taught, and I um, went to church with the, uh, the particular community there. And 
Um, it really impressed me so much, you know, the faith of the people there when they were, I knew their lives were hard. I knew they had nothing, but um, hearing them sing, hearing them pray, um, their humility, I mean, it, it still has an impact on me to this day. Um, so that interest in international relations kind of led me to go um, make a decision to move to Thailand. I lived in Thailand for two years. Um, I taught English, and I was the coordinator of a program there where we um, placed uh, English teachers in different schools. Um, I uh, also worked in New Hampshire, met my wife in New Hampshire. Um, my father-in-law is here, John Coppage. Um, and we got married up in New Hampshire on Squam Lake on a place called Church Island. I recommend if anybody's up in that area that you go to church on Church Island on Squam Lake. Um, then I uh, got my uh, graduate degree um, in Arizona um, and at Thunderbird and um, then lived in Washington for 12 years and I've been in Charleston for 12 years. So, um, and that's just the chronology of uh, my life experience. I, uh, the churches that I've been to, I was thinking about looking at kind of my, you know, my Christian experience and churches are just such a, a big part of that. Um, I started out at St. Michael's, which was um, kind of in the south side of Richmond. Tommy might remember that, which at the time was really country, and it was sort of a bohemian, hippie type of place. And I just think back on that church, and I just think of the 70s show, because it was in the 70s. My parent, I remember my dad had the blue jean Bible, um, so it was, it was very much 70s. Um, I remember distinctly, I can still feel on my ankle my father's hand, because he, we did, I didn't want to go to church, and I remember him pulling me out from under the bed, and I was just like clawing the wood boards as he pulled me out for the under the bed, and so we, you know, we had to go to church. He didn't really say why, but um, we, we had to go to church on Sundays, and then um, we moved into Richmond, um, more formally into to Richmond, and we would go to Grace and Holy Trinity, which is kind of down by VCU, and kind of, and kind of a interesting gritty area um, and my father used to laugh and say it was Grace and Holy Davenport because all of my mom's family went there um, and they, uh, they a lot of them still do um, and then came to St. Phillips and St. Phillips I just wanted to share a little bit about you know um, what it's meant to my family and to me um, my brother Otway initially um, invited me to come I think he was here two services when I was here and then he moved back to Richmond for the first time so um, but we were here at St. Phillips um, for our children, the choir, um, for them to be a part of that with Capers and, and Miss Joe um, has been amazing. Um, the mission trips, um, World Mission, there's so many amazing um, faithful servants working on World Mission here at St. Phillips, so it's been amazing to be a part of that. Um, teaching Sunday school here has been a gift as well. And... Um, you know, I've, I've learned that in order to really get the most out, to learn and, and expand on my Christian experience, it's saying yes to a lot of the requests that come my way, um, like this one, Hank. <laughs> um, so um, it really kind of forces you to, um, to study, to take action. Um, and um, so I've learned a lot through that experience, first teaching the kindergartens, like that was that was challenging in some ways, but easy in some ways, and then progressing to second grade, now eighth grade, working with Todd um, and studying Acts. I've just learned so much, and it's been amazing to get to know the children and the families over the course of eight to ten years. 
um, teaching in Sunday school. So I encourage any of you that um, if that opportunity, if you're asked and the opportunity comes up to, to say yes. Um, but uh, uh, so um, the, the particular narrative that I was born into, I think about, um, I can't help but think about my father. My father is a storyteller. Um, apparently, I mean, I remember my grandfather, he didn't talk at all, and apparently his father didn't talk at all, but my father, he talks for all of them. He tells stories, and you could ask him any topic in the world, and without a breath, he will launch into a narrative, a tale. So these are stories that are filled with, um, he tells stories about my mother's family, about my father's family, about the people in Richmond. I'm sure Tommy, he could probably tell stories about some something about uh, some experience with you in it, but um, um, but it's the um, the um, there in these stories. There's the, you know triumphs. There's love stories. There's tragedy. There's scandals. Um, there are great love affairs, and it's almost who here has read a book by Gabriel Garcia Marquez? Anybody ever read any of his books? So it's almost like that, where at a certain time, I was like, no, this can't be real. All of these things that I've been hearing cannot be real. Um, but there, it is a representation of the culture that he's from and that I'm from. And there are, whether uh, you know, the intent was there or not, there are messages um, about life. So I thought what I would do if this works, and hopefully it will work, is, um, just let you, I think people's voices are so distinct. The pictures, we're all used to that, but if you can hear someone's voice, you really get the idea of what they're like. And I encourage you, there's an app, there's an app for everything, right? But there's an app on an iPhone where you can tape people's voices. So I encourage you to you know, record your children's voices, your grandchildren's voices, your, your parents' voices, and ask them questions about people they knew about their grandparents um, because to hear your child's voice when they're 10 or 12 or 16, five years later, it's just amazing. Ask them how do they like Christmas, you know. But this is just um, this is my father, and wanted you to just get a little um, glimpse of what his voice sounds like in the stories. Tell us about the Wallace family and the um, a quick run through of <laughs> a quick run through. Yeah. From when they arrived uh, until today. Yes. Ready? Ready? But lace it with some interesting tales. Aye, aye, sir. William Wallace of Scotland was home drawn and quartered in the year of our Lord 1305 in London, England. His head was on London Bridge, his arm was in Bristol, his up was on another uh, stick, and uh, our ancestors lived in the mountains of the Harp. Got the idea, <laughs> um, but you can t you can sort of um, you know some of the examples of the stories that that he's told, and there are dozens and dozens of them. Are um, you know the first Wallace that came to America, who was an indentured servant. Um, at the age of 13, he was stealing cadavers for his uncles who were doctors, and was arrested. And his head was in the noose, and he was about to be hung. And um, just before they, you know, hung him, they uh, 
someone intervened and he was allowed to go to the United States as an, uh, to America, the New World, as an indentured servant. Um, and there he married, he, he eloped with the daughter of the, his master or whoever was, um, he was working for. Um, other stories include um, uh, somehow we related to Patrick Henry's sister who went mad and she was kept under the floorboards by her husband um, in misery. Or um, the very wealthy um, Uncle Wellington Wallace, who was one of the richest men in America, but his six um, unmarried daughters spent every penny. Um, they lived in plantations and had parties until they were 110, and there was only $20 left at the end. Um, so these are just some of the, the stories that, you know, growing up, um, I didn't really listen to or I would find an excuse to leave the room, but um, now I'm coming to appreciate more and more and um, actually being invited here uh, forced me to kind of think through them and um, what they have taught me. And I think the first was is really joy and an appreciation for joy. And, and Hank talked about this this morning, just walking across and look, feeling the sunshine and how Jesus is uh, given us so many gifts in, in the small ways, but, um, you know, joy is just something that is so important, and in order to really experience joy, you know, I've learned that you have to set aside a lot of things um, just to let go, um, but an appreciation for joy is something that I've learned from, from these stories. Um, another thing that I've learned is humility. So in many of the stories that my father told and tells to this day is, um, you know, stories of, um, I would say, like the Wallaces are sort of like Forrest Gump, you know, except instead of owning a giant company, they end up, um, in many cases, penniless, quote unquote. But they're always heroes. They're always triumph because of their, um, their, their great love for their family, their, um, um, their sense of humor. Um, and those sorts of things. So um, that humility is something that I've learned. Um, the other thing that I've learned is just the importance of commitment and marriage um, and how um, really that's to be put up on a pedestal. Um, he always tells a story about how um, there was a fire in Richmond. Um, there, was a, there was a theater um, that um, everyone went to this great play and um, the theater burned down and most people died. Um, but one woman who had very long red hair was lowered down by a young doctor and her life was saved and that ended up being our, our great-great-grandparents or something like that. And um, we have the portrait of that woman at our house. But that story always, you know, in reflecting on it, it was like the you know, the miracle that they met and they got married and the appreciation for that. So those are, are just some examples that I think when reflecting on the narrative of my life um, and the stories that I've heard, what they, what they mean to me um, and what I've learned from them. Um, in terms of my, my Christian experience, you know, there is, and so that's from my, my father, um, but in terms of my Christian experience, you know, it's, uh, it's our Father in Heaven, and the, the stories that he tells are um, in the Bible. 
and are so rich and every time you hear it it's something new that, that at least from my perspective that I learn um, so the things that that I've really learned from um, that narrative that broader narrative um, that mean a lot to me is, is one that Jesus and um, is always there almost like my father here always there and I'm grateful for that um, no matter what's happening, he's there, and you can call on him. Um, the second thing that um, I've learned is um, Jesus as a role model. There's, uh, you know, the, the idea of service to me is particularly inspiring, um, and one that in the future I would love to do, you know, explore more. Um, and then third, the things from these stories are really um, important to me and I think are reflective of the Christian tradition um, and that is you know freeing yourself from a lot of the worldly concerns and experiencing joy um, humility as a foundation to actually have relationships and um, uh, grow and then finally um, you know that that sense of joy um, um, commitment to relationships um, as being very important. So I'd like to, to end with a prayer. Um, this is a very cool, does anybody know what this is? Yeah. So um, actually, the, the, I, I went to Christ Church in Georgetown in D.C. That was our church there. And the, our minister there gave me this um, when I left. And it's, it's such a cool prayer book. And I was looking through it last night because it has such a sense of urgency in it. Um, it includes um, prayers, services, lessons, and it's for people that are at war, in battle. So the prayers and things in here, it's like, what are the things we need from all of these, you know, from the Bible and the prayer book and um, so forth that um, you would need in battle? So there's a real sense of urgency in this. And I, I looked at Epiphany, and I thought it was so um, consistent with what, you know, what we're talking about today in terms of just joy um, and um, life. So the, um, this is from Isaiah for Epiphany. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then there's a collect. Um, I think I need my glasses. Hold on a second. Thanks. John brought them to me. Thank you. They try to fit a lot in this book, so the font is very small. Let's see if I can open these up. Okay. Oh God, by leading, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence, where we may see your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you very much. As we were having lunch, uh, I got to asking Clarkie about his life and, and got him telling me some stories about Catherine and, and the family and about Tommy Dew down here as well. Because um, I didn't know Tommy was from Richmond. 
I thought you were a, a native Charlestonian. You just, you know, you, you hit me that way. But uh, <laughs> did y'all hear that? <laughs> Richmond, our nation's capital. <laughs> that, that's kind of like saying Clemson, the number one football team in America, you know, or something like <laughs> But, um, I see Clarkie here pretty much every Sunday and Catherine and their kids and um, and I did not know that he had taught Sunday school for almost 12 years here and that that I, I wander the halls every now and then and that is quite a thing to walk through there and see these people in there teaching these young people and um, Ed Morrison, if I go by his class, he'll yell at me and say, come in here. <laughs> I need you to teach for me. <laughs> but, but anyway, it's, it's a, a profound blessing to know you and to, um, to get to know you better through this because I don't get over here that often to see what y'all are doing. But thank you so much for letting us. I don't know that anybody's ever told us stories from their family and, and actually played uh, uh, you know um, an audio of their father and so I think I think we can it's it, isn't this amazing the different things that that we hear and the different ways that people speak and God is using all that he's planted something in each one of us through you today that um, maybe it's about humility or or one of the things that you enjoy that you talked about, but he's planted that uh, for us. It's a seed, and he's going to water it in this new year. And so um, I look forward to this new year with all of you and uh, seeing you here for these lunches. And um, I just wish that we could win another national championship before the next one. But anyway, <laughs> um, let, let me close us with a prayer. Lord, the variety of your people as we find in the Bible and then as we find right here in our midst is just uh, incredible. It's amazing. It's infinite. It's like the grains of sand at the seashore. And each one of us, you created, you created us in your image. And though we have a fallen sin nature within us. You, you never abandon us. You always stick with us. You are always reaching out to us. You're always being an epiphany to us to get our attention, to drag us out from under the bed by the ankle to go to church if need be. And so just continue to impress upon us uh, this this reality about yourself, about what, what kind of father, what kind of savior you are to us in the coming year. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.